0: Welcome to Donna Cloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. I well, can I add my welcome to George's this morning. Uh, you're all very, very welcome. And while you'll be watching this, we'll be in Waringstown Hall, uh, hopefully with a few more people uh, seated uh, this morning and uh, we're looking forward to gathering again uh, and beginning that journey of moving from virtual to physical well let's pray and let's open together it'd be great if you've got a bible uh, there with you as we look at psalm 63 together let's pray heavenly father we thank you that through uh, your spirit you inspired king david to write this psalm Uh, lord we pray that your spirit would be our teacher and we ask you lord that You would be ever present, speaking to us through your word, by the power of your spirit, pointing us to Jesus Christ, that we may glorify God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, today we come to Psalm 63, a a psalm of great encouragement. And as somebody said, it is medicine to kindle in us a desire for God, to raise our souls and inflame them with a mighty fire of devotion. Now, that's the kind of medicine i need i don't know about you and i think it's the medicine we all need to kindle or rekindle our desire for god but with every medicine you have to be careful don't you you have to be careful who the medicine's for how many times you're supposed to take it whether it's supposed to be taken orally or not but here is medicine precious medicine vital medicine and we're going to look at whose name is on the label so let's turn to our psalm, a psalm of David, it tells us in the super when he was in the desert of Judah. And many of the psalms are, 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 are songs for us to sing. Yes, they are. But we need to be careful to see that they're songs of the king, songs of the anointed one. David, King David is writing of his own experience here, but he's led by the Holy Spirit to speak better than he ought To speak not of himself, but to speak of his greater ancestor, the anointed one, the Christ, Jesus Christ. So, this is a song of Christ, of Jesus, and we sing it as Jesus sings it first, and we're like his backup singers. We're in the back with the choir singing away. And I think that's important because if we were to think this psalm was just about us, we'd beat ourselves up, we'd feel guilty. I don't know if I do thirst for God all the time. And if that were a guilt trip, then I'd be thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel that way? I don't always feel that God's love is better than life. Sometimes I doubt Him, especially when I'm going through a rough time. When I wake up in the night, I'm not sure that my thoughts just turn automatically. God, often they turn to my fears, my anxieties, what's happening next week, how are the kid's going to be when they go back to school, what is the economy going to be like, what is church going to be like? And my problems aren't David's problems. As far as I'm aware, nobody's trying to kill me. So this is a song I can sing in my own But actually, it's a song all about Jesus. Look at verse 11. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. See, these words are the words of the king. But we're there in that verse as well. We're the the people who swear by God. So this psalm is here to show us our king, to lead us to him. And then as those who are people, his people, we're to glory in him, praise him, give thanks for him. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take our medicine. We're going to be pointed to Jesus, and we're going to glory in him this morning. Let's listen to David and see how these words point us to Jesus, and, and we praise him and glorify him. And as you look at your Bible, particularly if you've got a new international version, NIV we call it, it breaks the psalm into four parts. And we're going to follow these this morning. And so the first section is actually verse one. And I've entitled it Thirsty. You, God, or my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. The title mentions that David is in the desert in the wilderness. And it's probably when he was on the run from his son Absalom, who was who had launched a coup against them and had taken over. The city. His son, his own flesh and blood, is out to kill David. Uh, uh, He had crowned him by himself, by his own supporters, and was marching on Jerusalem, Uh, and David worrying that the city would be sieged and there would be attacks and murder and awful things happen, he thinks, Well look it's better for me to go. And so he leaves the palace, he leaves the tabernacle, and he leaves the city and goes to the wilderness. Now, some of us might know family breakdown, but this is serious family fracture. And the desert, this dry and parched land, seems to be a mirror of David's own situation, stripped of anything, of all the comforts he had known. But what strikes me is that David doesn't ask for a comfy bed. He doesn't ask for nice food. He he doesn't think of uh, the comfort he had in the palace. Look what his first desire is. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. See, it's as though stripped of everything that might have given him comfort. It's exposed his soul's deepest need. I suppose at the start of coronavirus, we're, we're all getting pretty complacent now. But at the start of coronavirus, do you know which was the most Googled word in the whole of the world? Prayer. Prayer. People were panicking, they didn't know where to turn, they didn't know how to pray, and so they were Googling prayer. It was the, for months within March, from January through to May, it was the most Googled word. When the heat's on with us, we turn to God, don't we? David here, of course, he doesn't hunger for what he hasn't tasted before. And so as you look at verse 2, we see that David has tasted and seen God. That's why he hungers all the more for him. First one tells us that David has a personal relationship with God. You, God, are my God. That's why it's not his throne or his bed that he wants. He wants God. Now, as I said, these are words that we can make our own. But really, they point to something and someone much bigger than us. See, David's life foreshadowed the life of Jesus. And before anyone else, it was Jesus who could say, you, God, are my God. From eternity to eternity, Jesus was able to say those words. Jesus, of course, spent time in the desert being tempted by the devil where his heart for God was proved, but in one sense, having left the glory of heaven every day on this earth, was like living in a dry and parched land. He longed for fellowship with his Father. He spent whole nights in prayer with him. And he could say many, much more than us, my whole being, verse one, longs for you. And then as we thought at the start of the service, as Jesus hung on the cross, he cried out, I thirst. Of course, he was physical thirst, physically thirsty, but it was more than just physical thirst. It was a thirst that made him cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So yes, these words could express my heart, your heart, but in a much fuller sense, they point us to Jesus and to his thirst. And actually, it's wonderfully true that in Christ, I will never have to thirst as he did. Because he faced the thirst of the cross. Listen to John chapter 7. We began our service with these words. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So we who have come to Christ have received the Holy Spirit We will never thirst as Christ thirsts. And yes, we can feel spiritually dry. And actually the Spirit stirs up within us more thirst for God. We want more of him, more and more. He causes us to groan for God, for fellowship with God. And sometimes God does lead us into difficult times. And so stir up a thirst for him where people are lacking it. And so we can sing these words in Jesus. You, God, are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. So thirst. The second word is satisfaction. Look at verse 5. I'll be satisfied as with the riches of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. Literally, the words in Hebrew say, I will be fully satisfied as with the marrow and the fat. You'd be a bit miffed on a Sunday if out of the Sunday roast all you got was the marrow and fat. But actually in in Israel's time, that was the the choicest parts. And so we see David saying he he is absolutely sure that his thirst will be satisfied. Quite a change from verse 1, isn't it? And why the change? We'll look at verse 2. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. See, as David fled into the desert, he was leaving the tabernacle in Jerusalem behind him. But he could remember—he could remember that in the sanctuary he he had been satisfied as he sought God, as he saw his power and his glory there. And I don't think David's talking about visions of God's glory. What David would have seen in the sanctuary was the sacrifices being made daily and all that revealed he, he would have seen the lord of the tabernacle on the curtain and behind it the holy of holies and of course he would have heard the scriptures being read out and taught and that's how he grasped god's revelation of himself his love verse three which david said is better than life for all they had lost there was something that absalom could never take away his god this power, powerful glorious love of god absalom could take his life but he could never take away the most precious thing of all. And so David remembers there's nothing more precious. And so, verse 4 I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. I think these words from the lips of Jesus have more power, more weight. Think of Jesus saying, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. See, Jesus could look back to not just the tent, not just the tabernacle or even the temple, but to the glory of heaven itself. Jesus had seen God's power and glory from eternity. He had known and enjoyed the love of his father. And because he had known all of that, even in the wilderness that he came into, even to the cross, Jesus knew that a soul would be satisfied. He was sure of the joy set before him. And even now in heaven, Jesus with singing lips brings glory to God the Father. And he wants to lead his people, uh, he wants to lead you and me to do the same. To glory in God the Father. To see how wonderful God is. You see, Jesus had seen more of the power and glory than David could ever see. Because his power and glory is shown to us in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of god more clearly than david saw it romans 5 verse 8 god demonstrates his own love for us then in this while we are still sinners christ died for us and therefore with even greater confidence than david we should know that our own souls will be satisfied we'll be eternally satisfied in jesus so these words can be our words even if we feel dry spiritually dry we can know that we will be satisfied eternally We'll see his power and glory and love with our own eyes. We've seen it in the cross. We will see it again, even clearer, when we meet Jesus face to face. And then, verses 68, resting. And it doesn't seem in right one sense to talk of resting, as David says, verse 6 On my bed I remember you, I think of you through the watches of the night. But David doesn't do what we do when we're awake in the middle of the night, running through our fears and our worries. No, he's thinking of God through the watch of the night. And there's this wonderful, restful confidence that he knows. Verse 7, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. Even though he is Absalom and his army breathing down his neck, David is conscious of the shadow of God's wings. As we looked at a couple of Psalms ago, Psalm 61, an image of protection and perfect safety. That's why David says, In the shadow of your wings, I can sing. And then verse eight, wonderful words. I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. It's coming close to the end of the age where my children hold my hands. It happens the odd time. Uh, Elijah did it a couple of days ago. But I remember walking all of our children to school and as we're crossing the road, I would say to them, take my hand. Now what protects Joel or Tamar or Elijah as they were walking across that road wasn't that they put their hand in mine. Their grip could drop at any moment. It was the fact that my hand was wrung theirs, holding, protecting. And isn't that what Jesus says of us? All the Father gives me I will never let go. God says he will never forsake us or leave us. As we cling on to God, it's not our hold on to God that keeps us. Our faith often feels weak, doesn't it? The wonderfully, the truth of this verse is that God holds us. And he has promised that no one can snatch us out of his hand. That's the rest that David knew even in the midst of danger. And again, think of Jesus. You might think of the night before he died in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see Jesus in great fear and pain. Distress and sorrow and tears are like drops of blood that fall to the ground as he thought of what he would go through the next day. Not so much the cross as the cup of sin and judgment that he would have to take upon the cross. Having to face God's judgment on sin for us. And what we often often don't reflect upon as we think of Christ's passion is the confidence he went to the cross with. Faced with all that sin, faced with the injustice, faced with betrayal, he rested in God. And because he did it, it means that we can know peace and confidence even in the midst of all that's going around us, even in the midst of COVID-19. As we studied last Sunday night, Romans 8 verse 32 tells us, He who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? We can know in all things he works for us. We can know that nothing can separate us from his love. So we can sing in the shelter of his wings, this wonderful rest can be ours in Christ. And in the last part of the psalm, verses 9 to 11, vindicated. These verses speak not only of his present situation. David speaks and speaks better than he ought of the future. He says, one day my enemies will be overthrown forever, verses 9 and 10. One day all my enemies will be destroyed and I'll be vindicated. He says there may be battle ahead, but one day victory is assured. And that's why David can say, verse 11, but the king will rejoice in God, all who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. That's not to say that David is joyful when his enemies are destroyed. If you remember when Absalom, he finds his son has been, is dead, David is broken, he's distraught. And we should be never a people who laugh at the failures or the brokenness of others. No, the joy that we have as Christians is in God's justice, should I say, God's faithfulness, God's righteousness. A joy that all God's subjects will enjoy. All who swear in him, that joy will silence the mouth of every single one of us, every single one of them who has turned against Christ and turned against his people. You see, an example of that is when David ran away from Absalom at this moment, there was a man called Shimei who followed him, throwing dirt and stones and curses at him. And some of his men said to David, do you want us to sort him out? Do you want us to kill him? And David says, no, let him be. And in a similar way, Jesus faced mockery, even as he was dying on the cross. And like David, he made no reply. 1 Peter 2, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Because Jesus knew he'd be vindicated. And at the name of of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2. As Christ's people, you and I will face scorn and hatred. In other parts of the world, they'll face much more than that. But one day, all our persecutors, all our mockers will be silenced. And we will share in Christ's vindication. And on that day, we will glory in God forever, sharing in the Father's joy. So this is a song we can sing. But we can sing it more comfortably as we let Jesus Christ sing it for it, for, for us first. He's the soloist. We're the chorus. But he he wants us, his people, to sing these words with confidence. He wants us to know this joy, this satisfaction, this freedom from thirst. He he wants it to be ours too. And so I think this morning it would be good before we pray together to take out Psalm 63 and read it in the light of Jesus. Jesus. Take a moment of silence just to look at the words and then we're going to pray again as we close. So let's take a moment of silence first as we read through Psalm 63 and see how Christ fulfills this psalm. As we see it's medicine to bring, a, bring us to God through Jesus Christ. The glory in all Christ has done for us. And then it's for us to sing in and with And through him. Let's read the psalm and then let's pray together. Thank you for being with us today. We pray that this service has been an encouragement to you, a challenge and a help to build you up in your faith in Christ. We've now ended our church service and we'd be delighted if you can join with us again. Thank you for being with us in Donnaclone Parish. God bless you.